Let's start with um, Isaiah chapter 49, verses 13 to 16. Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. But, Zion said, the Lord's forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and no, have no compassion on the child she has born? Though even she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. And the beginning of Second Corinthians... Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the Lord and Father, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we'd received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, and that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many thanks Suz. good morning everyone my name's stephen one of the ministers here every so often when i'm driving i i manage to catch conversations on radio national and on conversations um, with Richard Feidler and Sarah Konoski, they interview lots of different people with lots of different stories. But it, it seems to me there's one kind of story that, that often seems to reappear. It's the story of people who've completed some kind of epic adventure. And usually what happens is they've just written a book about it, so they, they get wheeled out to tell their story. Now, I find these stories fascinating. Like there's... Um, one I heard recently of a, a lady called Sophie Madison who decided to walk from Shark Bay in Western Australia 
all the way across to Byron Bay in New South Wales. 5,000 kilometres all alone through the desert. It was an epic adventure. Just recently, I I also heard of another one of um, Sarah Davis, who paddled the Nile River from its beginning in Rwanda, down the rapids, facing angry hippos, things like that, war-torn countries, all the way to its end in the Mediterranean. She paddled something like 7,000 kilometres. Now, I find these stories so fascinating because I think, why? (laughs) What on earth motivates these people? I mean, I kind of partly think, oh, wouldn't that be great? No, I don't know. I don't know if it would be. Why do they do this to themselves? Why do they suffer so much to do these things? But, you know, if you sort of turned up with a car and a caravan in the middle of the desert and said, hey, look, if you really want to get to Byron Bay, you don't have to walk. I'll give you a lift. They'd say, no way. They'd say, I want to do this. They willingly give up comfort, risk their safety, face challenges and even suffering for the bigger goal that they have in mind. And actually, when you think about it, a lot of life is like that. Suffering, it's not always the opposite of good. Not all suffering, not all suffering is to be avoided at all costs. There's some suffering that actually is a part of of finding meaning and and fulfilment in life. You know, whether it's doing a huge garden project or starting a small business or getting a degree or having a family and kids. Suffering along the way is, is usually part of those kind of things and it's usually part of what makes something so significant. You know, and if someone turned up and, and offered you the easy way out, they offered to buy your business from you or offered to give you a job so that you didn't need to study or offered to take your kids off your hands or something like that, chances are you'd say, no, thank you. What I'm doing might be hard, but it's worth it. The kind of comfort that we want when a a project really matters to us, it's not ease or relaxation or escape. The kind of comfort we want is reassurance that, that what we're suffering is worth suffering for. That the goal that we're living for justifies the pain. Now, a lot of life is like that. But the Christian life, especially, is like that. What we see today at the start of 2 Corinthians is that the the Christian life in this lifetime is not about relaxation or ease or escaping what's hard. It's about suffering for something that's worth it. Have you ever thought about the Christian life like that? As really committing yourself to a kind of epic adventure? Because that's the sense we get in this passage. We, We get the sense that the Christian life is full of struggles. And there's even suffering along the way that that forces a choice on us. Is this worth it? Is it really worth following Jesus? This is is our first point. Do we realize the authentic Christian life, the real Christian life, comes with struggles? We see this all over this part of the Bible that was just read for us. Have a look again. Look at verse 4. We saw... God comforts us in all our troubles. 
verse 5, just as we share abundantly, abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. Verse 6, if we are distressed. Verse 7, we know that just as you share in our sufferings. In almost every verse in this passage, there's even more than what I showed you, in almost every verse, Paul tells them to expect the Christian life to be hard going at times. There doesn't seem to be any question about that. The real question is, do the people in this church at Corinth, do they think it's worth it? Do they think it's worth sticking with God, sticking with his way of living, God's way of living that's been made known to them by Paul? Or should they give up on that? You know, maybe not totally throw in the towel, but maybe they should just shift the goals a bit. Maybe they should live for Jesus and live for their own goals too. I remember a friend of mine was going on a kind of epic adventure. He was going to be riding from Sydney to Brisbane and back on a push bike. He was raising money for something. But um, he was old and he didn't really get time to train. And so it turns out, I found out later, he did some of the stretches in the support vehicle. Now, he still got to Brisbane and back. But the truth is, he shifted the goals. He abandoned what he set out to do. Now, it's kind of like that for this church in Corinth. They could still look like they were following Jesus, but the parts that caused them to struggle in that, the things that were causing them to suffer, well, maybe they could just shift those goals to avoid that. But the truth is, if they did that, if we do that, we're actually abandoning the adventure that God has for us. You know, Jesus says to us in Mark eight thirty-five, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. The adventure is not to lose your life for Jesus and to keep your life for yourself. That's not an adventure. It's one or it's the other. It's, it's you or it's Jesus. And Paul says he's pretty confident about these guys. He says in verse 7, our hope for you is firm. I don't know if you know much about these Christians at Corinth, this church, but I'm kind of amazed that Paul can be so optimistic. I mean, the church in Corinth is a pretty messy place. Just a, a year after Paul left them, things go really badly there. There's greed and selfishness. There's sexual immorality, and they actually think it's cool. They're dividing against each other into different cliques and, and even suing each other. It's been a mess, an absolute mess. Now, we planted Trinity Church Campbelltown about a, a, a bit over a year ago now. Imagine if we get up there next week to the combined service, and none of them are there. And then you find out it's because they're kind of embarrassed of the Trinity Network now because they're embarrassed about Bible teaching and they're embarrassed about us saying that Jesus is the right to rule our lives, tell us how to live and they're embarrassed of Paul Harrington 
and they're embarrassed of me and they're embarrassed of all of you because we're all so ordinary and unimpressive. Now that would be really upsetting if that happened. And thank God that's not the case at Campbelltown. Well, I mean it could be, we'll find out next week. But it was the case in Corinth. Something a bit like that happened at Corinth. And when Paul tries to tell them to, to come back to living God's way, they really don't appreciate it. He writes to them and it, it goes down badly. And so then he visits them and that seems to have gone even worse. And so then he, he writes to them yet again and, and we actually don't have this letter anymore. It's in between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians But finally, that letter seems to get through to most of them. And so then with this letter that we're looking at today, this letter is really Paul trying to close that chapter in their rocky relationship. Paul is trying to convince them in this letter to to throw their lot in fully with God now and fully in with living God's way, not the Corinthian way, even when it's a struggle, and fully in with himself too, with Paul because all he's been trying to do all along is help them live fully for Jesus. Now, I'm inclined, a little bit cynical, to look at this church in Corinth and think I give them maybe a, a 30 or 40% chance of standing firm. But as we've seen, Paul is, is more of an optimist than me. But actually, he, he's not just being annoyingly optimistic for no good reason. Did you see his reason why he's so confident that they'll stand firm? Look at verse 7 again. He's he's so confident, he says, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. The fact that they're prepared to suffer convinces Paul that their Christian life is authentic. Despite all the mess of that church, despite all the pain that they've caused him, the fact that they're willing to suffer for Jesus convinces Paul They're not just going to chuck it in. They see that knowing Jesus is worth it. If we lived in in Corinth, chances are what we'd be feeling would be the pressure to climb the social ladder. We'd we'd be feeling the pressure to climb the economic ladder. People in in Corinth, they, they really wanted to appear impressive to each other. That was part of their problem with Paul. Um, he was so unimpressive to them. And it's part of their struggle with Jesus because Jesus is not impressive to them in the flashy Corinthian kind of way. Jesus doesn't elevate himself and show how great and strong he is. He humbles himself. He's willing to appear weak. He dies the death of a slave on a cross, naked, humiliated, for people who don't even want him. That's not impressive to the Corinthians in the usual way. And what they really struggled with was that Paul tells them that the adventure Jesus calls them to means walking in his footsteps, means walking in humility and weakness themselves. Jesus is not interested in helping them climb the the social or economic ladder He's not interested in making them appear impressive to each other or impressive to their neighbours. He doesn't want them to struggle for the same goals that their neighbours have. He wants them to give up chasing after those things 
and instead to recognize their own weakness and to find comfort in something completely different. This brings us to our second point. Do we realize that authentic comfort, real comfort, comes through Christ? Now again, we we see this just all throughout this part of the Bible. Look again at it. Look at verse 4. God comforts us in all our troubles. Look at verse 5. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Look at verse 6. If we're distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. In almost every verse, Paul wants the Corinthians to hear that God comforts us in trouble and distress and suffering. He's the Father of compassion, the God of of all comfort. We might think that we care about people, but we are cold and heartless compared to the heart that God has for people. But I think we can very easily misunderstand what comfort is. You know, the all-ages spot kind of showed us that. We could um, hear all this talk of comfort and, and we could picture a kind of warm and soft, fluffy kind of comfort. But that's not the kind of comfort God gives because that's actually not authentic comfort. C.S. Lewis, um, he wrote about seeking that kind of comfort. He said, in religion, as in war and everything else, comfort is the one thing you cannot get by looking for it. If you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, what you, you will not get either comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin. And in the end, despair. Go chasing for comfort above all else in life and you won't find it. Go looking for the truth and you will find God and in Him you will find comfort. Now ultimately, the the kind of comfort that God gives us, it, it is the removal of all suffering and the removal of all evil. That's ultimately the kind of comfort God gives us. But the kind of comfort God gives us now in this life is not relaxation or or the immediate removal of our troubles. The kind of comfort God gives us right now is He brings our hearts and our minds and our lives back to seeing His goal for us and back to seeing that nothing can separate us from His goal for us while ever we look to Him. The word that's... um, translated comfort here it also means the lifting of another's spirits it it can mean the act of emboldening another in belief or or cause of action it can also mean to instill courage instill someone with courage and cheer the kind of comfort that god gives us in this life is is to give us what we need to keep going on with jesus he's the compassionate father who puts his arm around us and and lifts our spirits in trouble. Because think about what it is that we're forced to consider when we struggle. We're forced to consider, is this worth it? And as I weigh that up, what exactly am am I considering? Well, I'm considering, 
Is it worth losing my life for Jesus who left glory to lose his life for me? I'm considering, is it, is it worth putting up with loss now to gain forever what he has planned for me? I'm considering it, is it worth staying true to him so that one day he'll look me in the eye and say, well done. That's all over now. Come see what it, what it was all about. Now, Paul really wants the Corinthians to stick with it. He really wants them to embrace the adventure. He wants them to be comforted by the truth that Jesus is absolutely worth suffering for. And what about us? In the past, you know, the Christian life was, was seen as a kind of epic adventure, a, a struggle, a suffering that's worth it. Um, things like Pilgrim's Progress, which some of you might have read. But I wonder sometimes if we've lost that sense. Are we still seeking Jesus even when it's hard and finding comfort in Him when we struggle? Or are we just seeking comfort with or without Him? You know, when we're baptized, we're asked these questions. We're asked, do you turn to Christ? Do you repent of your sins? Do you reject selfish living and all that is false and unjust? Do you renounce Satan and all evil? Will you, by God's grace, strive to live as a disciple of Christ, loving God with your whole heart and your neighbor as yourself until your life's end? Did we really think that would be easy? It's a struggle, isn't it, to turn to Christ and leave behind living for ourselves. It's a struggle to repent of my sin and my selfish living. It's a battle to renounce the lies that Satan tells us constantly. It will cost us if we're going to love God with all our hearts. It will cost us if we're going to love neighbors as ourselves. Not one of those things is easy in this life. That's why when we're baptized, the whole congregation says to us, fight bravely under his banner against sin, the world, and the devil, and continue as Christ's faithful soldier and servant to your life's end. We're not called to something easy. We're called to a fight to the end. So let me ask you a couple of questions about that. In your fight, where are you battling against sin right now? You know, what's, what's the battlefront for you in that fight right now? Now, if, if I don't know the answer to that, then there's a battle going on somewhere. I'm just not there, present with it, if I'm not even aware of it. Which means chances are that battle's not going too well. Let me ask you another question. In living for Jesus, where are you reaching out to lead other people to Jesus? If I can't bring people's faces to mine, then chances are I'm not reaching out. 
So how am I struggling as, as Christ's faithful soldier? In rejecting selfishness, where are you embracing loving God's people even when it's really hard work? In turning to Christ, where are you turning away from Australian culture and, and feeling the heat of that? If we're not feeling the struggle on any of these fronts, then chances are we also won't feel the comfort that, that comes from God in those struggles. And if the authentic Christian life involves these struggles, then maybe we're not living it. Maybe we're trying to live for Jesus and for ourselves. What Paul does next is, is he gives them a recent example from his own life where his weakness drove him to find comfort in God. He says in verse 8, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Now, what he's describing here, this is next level kind of suffering. This was so bad that Paul was reduced to not even wanting to go on living. But then he says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This is the pattern of, of the authentic Christian life. It's an extreme example, but it, it gives the pattern. The pattern is struggling and even suffering. It's finding yourself too weak for the task, but then find that God meets you in your weakness with His grace, with His compassion, and with the courage that you need to go on with Him. I heard someone say they, they once heard a, a sermon where the minister got up and he began it by just repeating over and over again, battles and blessings, battles and blessings, battles and blessings, battles and blessings. And this went on to the point where it sort of became a little bit awkward. But he said what it did is it drove home that that is actually the character of the Christian life. Battles and blessings. Not always one after the other. Sometimes both at the same time in different areas of life. Or perhaps from our passage we could say challenges and comforts. Challenges and comforts. Challenges and comforts. The Christian life is about challenges and comforts and finding in Christ the courage the comfort to go on again and again. But having been given the courage to go on, what we see is, is it actually doesn't stop there. And this brings us to our last point. Authentic comfort, real comfort, is given by God to be shared. So we see this all through this passage as well. Look at verse 4. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Verse 6, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance 
of the same sufferings we suffer. The courage God gives us, the, the comfort He gives us so that we'll pass it on. And we pass it on as, as we help someone else keep on going on. One of the things I, I, um, I find fascinating about the kind of epic adventure sort of stories with camels and river, uh, rowing down rivers and that sort of thing, one of the things I find fascinating is, is I can't help but feel that they're inherently self-focused. All the money and, and time and effort that's invested, it, it feels a little self-centered to me. It, it feels like it's all about that person's strength, their triumph. Whereas our stories, what we pass on is the opposite. Our stories that bring comfort to each other are inherently about our human weakness, not strength. Our stories, they can strengthen each other, not because they're a testimony to ourselves and our own triumphs and accomplishments, but because they're a testimony to God's grace and His compassion And his amazing work in Jesus that we apply to our hearts, our minds, our lives, that he applies to our hearts, minds, and lives. And this is the Christian life. This is what we're called to. We're called to take this adventure, to find comfort in Jesus in every struggle along the way. And then we're called to pass on that comfort that we find to each other. So I thought I'd, I'd finish today with just a couple of examples of where I've, I've seen people do some of those kind of things, where I've seen people struggle, find their weakness, really feel it, discover God's grace again, and then pass that comfort on to others. So one person that, that came to mind as I was trying to think about some examples of this was a guy I knew back in Armidale when I used to work with, I think that way, uni students <laughs> back in Armidale, New South Wales. He was a young guy in his mid-twenties and, um, and he struggled with pornography. Uh, he felt his weakness. He found God's grace and he was taking up the fight. I remember a, a different guy who was studying IT. He said to this guy one day, you know, it's very easy to get around those internet filters. And this guy was like, I don't, I don't want to hear about it. He, he knew he was weak. But he knew it was worth struggling against sin. He experienced God's compassion and God's grace and strength. And you know what he did with that comfort? He passed it on. I remember he he organized a bunch of of young guys together and and to talk about porn. And I I came along, he invited me along as well, and and I came along expecting to find a, a few brave souls. But the room was packed. There were like over 30 people in there this guy was open about his weakness and because of that he was able to instill courage into other people to fight on he struggled he found comfort in God's grace and compassion in Jesus he passed it on let me give you another example a few years ago as a church quite a few years ago now we encouraged everyone to ask their friends what they think is the problem with Christianity. Do any of you remember when we did that? A few. (laughs) 
So we, we asked people, ask your friends, what do they think is the problem with Christianity? And, and then we got people to share some of the, the conversations that they'd had with their friends. So many of us feel like when it comes to leading other people to Jesus, that it, it's such a struggle. We lack the courage to even give it a go most of the time. We think Jesus is great, but we just think we're not great at all at leading people to him. But I remember back then it was a huge encouragement to hear the stories of, of different people giving it a go. People who were kind of scared, but did it anyway, asked their friends what they think, thought was the problem with Christianity. And as people struggled, as they found courage in God, as they gave it a go and then passed that courage on to the rest of us, it helped the rest of us to, to get on with our struggle to tell people about Jesus. Let me give you another example. In my uh, community group last uh, term, some of the weeks, someone would share their story of how they became a Christian. And hearing some people's stories, how for some of them, their families weren't very happy about it at all. And at times made it hard for them and still were making it hard for them. But them finding comfort in Jesus, seeing he was still worth following, even though their families we're making it hard for them that was so helpful so encouraging to the rest of us now i've just scratched the surface of of how we can experience god's comfort and then pass it on but there's so many ways i've seen people struggling in their marriages keeping at it and finding the strength to do that in christ and then being able to help other people keep at it i've seen people face divorce and then find forgiveness and comfort in God, and then help others in the future to find the strength to go on as well. Seeing people face sickness, face tragedy, find comfort in God, and then pass that on. I've seen people hurt by other believers, find the courage in Jesus for the forgiveness they need to have for other believers, and then in time help other believers have the courage they need to forgive as well. That's the character of the authentic Christian life. We're in a struggle, but it's one that's worth it. So give yourself to it. Battle the sin within. It's a struggle. It's an adventure that's worth it. Do the right thing, even when it, even when it costs you. Risk leading your family or friends to Jesus. Stand as, as belonging to Jesus, even when it's not popular. Go on forgiving even when it hurts. That's the kind of struggle that we're called to. It's okay to struggle and to discover that we're not that strong. Because what we're going to see in 2 Corinthians is it's exactly at that point when we see our weakness, that's when we find comfort. And that's actually when we will find the comfort to give to others as well. Let me pray for us. Father, we stand astounded at the kind of God you are. Not a God who flexes to try and impress, but a God that is truly impressive. We thank you for the example that you've given us in Jesus, that in becoming human, bending even to the point of lowering himself to death on a cross, humiliated for us, you show us where true strength is found where true beauty is found we just pray lord that 
You would help us to keep resisting the lies of the devil and to see uh, that this is, this is the path we too need to take, the adventure we need to go on. Help us to be willing to suffer and, and to struggle because we see that Jesus is so worth it. A Lord and Saviour worth having every single day of our lives and for all eternity. And we just pray, Lord, that we would give ourselves to this, this struggle that you've called us to, knowing that this is where we find true comfort and this is where we can pass it on. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.